Hi there, it's Jack Tuesday here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. I'm back. Thank you for being patient. I've been off for about five, six months now. Just while I got married and bought a house and moved down to Bournemouth again, but things are settling, so it's time to bring the podcast back. And my first guest for this return is Bjarni Gunnarsson, who's an Icelandic sound artist based in the Netherlands. And his recent album, Lure, is one that I've been trying to penetrate over the course of the last few weeks. It's a work of such immense detail that the first couple of listens turn out being very bewildering indeed. But there's always a sense of causation and relationship with the sounds that I think conjures a sense of significance that keeps me coming back. It's like there's a language being laid out or something being communicated or or a drama that's playing out through sound despite the fact that there's too much of it to ingest too quickly. And it's a, a, a wonderful record. I still feel like I'm mining into the ground and I've no idea how much further I have to go before I have that moment of epiphany where I feel like that me and the record are in alignment but that process is compelling in itself to just get to know this record. So you can find more information about Bjarni at bjarni-gunnarsson.net and he picked some great albums. One of them I was kind of familiar with, but the other two were completely new on me. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. I had a great time talking to him. Without further ado, Bjarni Gunnarsson on Crucial Listening. So you've brought three albums, three important albums to the table today. In addition, you've also recently released a new record of your own, which I've spent the past few weeks trying my utmost to get my head around. As I speak to you now, I say I'm still absolutely nowhere near. But that for me makes it quite pertinent, I think, to ask you how long you spent working on it. I mean, it's a record that I think that involves uh, a certain labour in terms of listening to it so I can only imagine what it would have been like to actually put the record together so how long have you been working on Lua? Um, yes, uh, so I worked on it for a little bit more than a year It's took some time also through um, the whole release process so um, it's it's uh, it's actually about a year old now <laughs> now that it's out Right. Um, so I worked about it for a year yeah, it's, it's always tricky to... Um, to compare or interesting to compare the time I went to making a record to the to the listening process for this one it was it was really about making the first piece or the first piece that's prism 
starting the record that took the majority of the time. And once I had that, and once I have created sort of the the software and things like this, I was using for that. And the other ones came much more naturally, which which is not the first time something like this happens. So once you get to a certain place, things tend to fall in, 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 into fall into shape. Uh, but getting there is perhaps the the creative bit and interesting bit. Yes. So you mentioned the software processes that lay at the foundation of the first track and then I guess by extension the record as a whole and these are the generative processes that are referenced I guess in the in the accompanying material the text that comes along with the record is that yes, right? Yes that's correct. Okay so I am completely useless when it comes to understanding I guess the more technological side of sound and these generative uh, processes that often go into uh, into music so what kind of inputs are you using in order to uh, basically how are you feeding these processes and what are they actually doing to the sound um yeah well that's a big question good question um <laughs> so i guess this extends a little bit um so my previous practice which is just to look at sound as a little bit of like a process or a little bit of something that is is constantly coming into existence so uh, not as simply a list of notes or a list of certain sounds or so but more more textural and more uh, kind of inward and more uh, looking and so on so uh, how are these processes done I, I set up these small programs actually for this one more than the previous one it was sort of a simplification so um, there's a lot more pitches on this album, there's a lot more simple uh, rhythms and so on. But I guess an important part is simply how they are set up, a small little processes that I allow to run, and then I'm, I'm thinking about how to interact with them. So I could could compose with them, so put them into shapes and put them into time and record them a bit, but also leave them and, and, and make them kind of unfold to some sort of an inner logic. So so it's this, this interesting... Um, relationship between the me while I'm, I'm kind to of figure out the processes and, and the process that I, I tend to enjoy letting it run uh, on its own as well. When you talk about this music as a process of becoming I think the first thing I wonder at that point is how on earth do you say that this material is done? How does each individual piece end and the, how do you reach a point where you're like okay this this album as a documentation of that process is becoming has a hard end and i'm now gonna you know put this out into the world that's probably something it's a kind of a different thing actually than, than what i was describing before so indeed it's a good question and um i think we could we could imagine like even all creative activity to be like something that's continuous we we are many of us who are making music we you're always trying to to create and produce and that takes the life lifespan of, of months or years or so on but every now and then you would like to say stop and, and present something like an album or so on and so it's more that like you mm. you have this one continuous continuous process and then you kind of chop out from it which is similar to the way actually the music is made and i would say actually uh, you could even hear it in the music itself that that it, it deals a lot with stopping and starting processes and and and, and so on so um how uh, how you get to a specific end is i think it's unique to each piece but it's not something that uh, i think is actually the always something i i i, I it comes rather naturally once the other elements are in place i say uh, say and uh, i think like i said um 
getting to the completing the first piece was like a jump. But when you have that jump, I think I can make um, I made the other ones rather straightforward, you know. So some people think it's Im- right. important to reinvent yourself with each piece you make, and so on. I think it's more. Um, I think it's fine, for example, to do several pieces around similar ideas, or 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 once you reach a certain state, so they are a little bit a different viewpoint on 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 the thing you're working with at, at that moment. And and that I think follows all my albums is that there is something on the album that is specific, and and the pieces are just different ways to inspect that behavior let's say yeah well as a listener i can say i'm grateful that you've done that because it is incredibly dense music but in a way that i'm always compelled to listen again and again in order to understand it more but to have uh, something that has the, the sense that there is at least a, you know a line of continuity running through those pieces i think is is something that i can hang my hat on as i'm listening and establish a, a, a I guess this is probably the wrong word but establish a rapport with that one element which stays consistent which almost acts like an anchoring point to then appreciate the rest of the album elsewhere also as well I mean one thing that's really struck me as I'm listening and and this is the thing that I think quite interestingly with this record is rather than coming away and when I look back to my experiences of listening having memories of of particular sounds is the transitions and the and the movements between states on your album that stays with me more than anything uh and it feels like something that I don't know there's a real sense of causation and very almost like organic movement within your music and I wondered is transition something that you spend a lot of time working on when you're putting these pieces together like the process by which something becomes something else actually yes and i'm i'm um, happy you have uh, sort of uh, encountered this because i think it's a very important thing and um the way i work is that you i, I often reach states of where i have this kind of sound behavior and and uh, and then i have another sound behavior and and then the task becomes very much how can i get from one to the other so how can I transi- transition um, mm. uh, from one to the other and, and that becomes kind of the, the creative problem to solve once you once you kind of start to address uh, once you have many uh, processes that you can can use for a certain piece so actually I have to think a lot about it and I think it's 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 something also I think um, in electronic music is is uh, it's not always what you hear huh? there's the, the cliche that we have two kinds of two kinds of uh, endings so either you plug the plug the cable or you or you fade out and right. and you could say that in many cases people revert to these kind of things when they are when they are doing transitions so so they they have, they have they spend a lot of time finding the different points but perhaps less thinking about how to get from one to the other, or at least think. I think this is this is something that's that's still very interesting to to think of. Also, as well, I think what comes hand in hand with those transitions is, I think, the sense of force within your music. Like often, those transitions come for me as an accompaniment to a feeling of uh, being pulled or being pushed or being punched. There's a real tactility to your music, which I think is striking when you consider the fact that the process clearly seems quite technical and meticulous. Uh, has it been a priority for you or, or is it something that you contemplate um, to uh, retain a physicality to your music? Yeah, I think there's two elements to that, which is uh, on the one hand, 
sort of the the causality within the music, which I think, even though many composers I value dearly believe that that this is maybe perhaps not so important anymore, and causality is something we might attribute to tonal music and so on. I I do think that with the the way we listen is is somehow causally related, and and, uh, in my music I, I think it's more something I try to violate or escape from or, 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 or deal with in creative ways, but I'm always aware of the fact that we are driven by some sort of a stream or a force that, that kind of unites the music and, and I, I very much want to, even in, in cases where the music is discontinuous, to kind of connect to that force. Then the, the other element which is, is, is perhaps related to energy, I think um, which is a very vague term. People talk about energy. What does that mean? But I think, I think there's uh, the 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 sound processes I kind of I try to to uh, arrive at um, have a, have some sort of energy energetic phenomenon. So maybe relating also to the, some of the albums I, I chose for today is, I think this is a, a, a somehow very uh, as a listener is something we hook on to on a very primal way, and I think to hook onto this in a very primal way is something I also would like to happen for, for my music and, and so it's something I, I think about like how does the energy of the piece kind of connect you or drag you into it or make you stay there Absolutely, well it's certainly doing that and I have to say I was a little bit nervous about speaking to you today and feeling as though I hadn't really done my homework because I felt I still hadn't wrapped my head around this record but I think that's just an inevitability and something that when I've read other reviews of this album uh, I certainly don't feel like I'm alone so uh, I'm looking forward to continuing my journey into the record and trying to equate myself with it more and more let's move to your albums now which uh, you've brought three important albums here and one question I like to ask my guests is the way in which you consider the term important because obviously there's so many different ways that you can approach that and uh, you know that you can probably pick three different albums for every possible interpretation of that term but how did you consider the term important and what uh, classified as important for the purposes of putting this list of albums together yeah um to be honest i did it in a very intuitive way so there i would say more or less spaced equally like uh, 10 years or so between them between the point they influenced me so I think they were very much related to a point in time. I picked them as something that influenced me at a point in time and that I have kind of uh, observed that they stay with me for some reason. Uh-huh. So I think the point in time and how they stayed with me was, was influencing here my choice. Yeah. But it, it was very intuitively. So I, just when he told me about three albums, I within a minute or so, I thought of these three and, um, and maybe that's sometimes just the best way of doing things. Yes. <laughs> I think otherwise it can quite easily be several days. You can choose whichever album you want to speak about first, Bjarni. I'll uh, let you pick. But if you'd like to tell me the, the name of the first album and the artist and also a little bit about why it's important to you as well. All right. So I think the temporal order makes the most sense. So um, yeah. the first one I chose was Seafield Shakur from the UK which is from 1995, it was released. And why did I choose this one? Well, it's, it's, so I was 15 at the time. I remember when this was uh, being released and um, it's just some of, some of the soundtracks from, from a certain part of your, your youth, let's say. 
Yeah. So I guess what's very special about this album, I think, is is there's some sort of a sound element to it. So I was trying to. What do I mean by that? There's a kind of sonic signature in the tracks. The music is very simple. Um, it's minimal. It's kind of general. It has all kinds of properties that I would not be so interested in, perhaps today. Um, but there, it has something of a, of a kind of a uniqueness and a touch to it, and, uh, and especially in terms of the, the ambience it gives. It's also so. It's obviously related to this music coming from the UK at the moment, like like Aphex Twin and Ottaker and these these things. Yeah. So which I was also listening to as as a teenager. But the the reason I, I thought this one, and I think the reason it was special for me also at, at that time was, it doesn't have this kind of strong connections to dance music or so on. So it's trying to uh, arrive more at the pure sound through through other means. Which I think was resonating a little bit with me uh, at that moment as well, even though the other artists I just mentioned are, are were some some I loved very much. It, it was this was kind of a more of a unique take, some kind of a singular uh, presence, if I may say so. Do you remember how you came into this record? Like how you came across it? Was it through the, I mean, just through following the Warp family of of artists at that time? Yeah, I suppose so. I, I was thinking about this, and I was uh, I was introduced to it by a friend, right? And uh, a, a good friend of mine that was uh, more uh, more into this uh, then. And I remember well, he had it on vinyl, and I still remember this great cover and and just the the whole kind of experience of putting this this record on and feeling it that it was somehow a little bit different than than the others. Yeah. I mean, it's a band actually that only really caught my focus recently. Uh, I'm 10 years younger than yourself, Bjarni, so I wasn't really cognizant of them at the time that they were, you know, at their most prominent. But having done some research into post-rock, I came across this this band and, and this record. But actually, in fact, I mean, the the, the record that I came across first and i think this is probably the case for most people is a uh, quick or how, however you pronounce it i mean did you after you discovered this record did you check out any of their other albums and did anything else of theirs resonate with you as well um not as much um, right i know they are still they're still um or not still at least recently they they were doing some things and and i did check it and it didn't, didn't sparkle the interest this album did one of the the main producers of this was mark clifford and and he had other projects what was called disjecta right and uh, uh i was actually hesitating between that because that was another another one that i was um very interested and into at that time but um but the other ones that are perhaps more post-rock related i feel they the seafield ones they don't have this kind of timeless sound that we find on Shakur that's a bit kind of removed from everything everything else and and that's one of the reasons i like it so much so i think for the the seafield stuff it was it was mainly this one actually so is there a track that in particular that you know feels particularly prominent in your mind when you think of this record just the first one right <laughs> um and because the way it starts is so, somehow so so strong and and well it is kind of a sort of an ambient piece but it it has this kind of perhaps this kind of energy we we discussed in in, a, in its own very particular way yeah is it a record you still listen to now 
not so much. I listened to it a little bit last week in, in preparing for this, and I think it's, it has more effects of, of reminding me of, of of that period or so on, and, and rather than me um, finding something new in it now or so. But I still think it's it's a very uh, dear dear one to me. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, I, I don't know whether you have many records like this, but obviously there are those albums that outstay. I mean, outstay their welcome almost in in terms of their listening rotation because they have these threads leading back to like a former self. Uh, you know, I've got several albums which, if I heard now, would probably give a couple of listens at most and then move on. But because they have this ability to tap into you know, a sort of past self, then they gain extra weight. I mean, there are many other records like this Seafield album that feel that they're still, you know, within your memory and that are still listened to, despite the fact that, you know, they perhaps wouldn't hold so much uh, importance to you had you heard them for the first time now. Yeah, definitely. I also think... um I listen a little bit less, but I think more intensively these days. Mm. So, I at some moment I will, uh, I've always thought very important because I'm always involved with uh, I teach electronic music and so on, and and I'm, um, I really hate it when people don't listen because it's such a such a obvious I think um, part of the whole experience uh, instead of simply being focused on your own thing. So I really enjoy listening to other people's music, but. Less now than than before. I I feel the urge to constantly listen to it. So even if I I would listen to the Seafield album just once every five years, that would probably be just fine right. enough. You know, <laughs> it would not 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 mean that it has any less importance or 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 interest. You know, it's it's not a repeated a repeated listening that necessarily gives any weight. You yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, it's very much that stands in opposition to the current zeitgeist i guess around listening and the the value that has been attributed to listening as of late in terms of you know due to the prevalence of streaming services and the like i mean as someone who teaches have you noticed a changing relationship overall with listening like within i don't know your students or or within the people around you um yeah that's a big question yep there probably is um, but it's it's not a simple. Um, I think it's it depends also on the individual. Huh? I, yeah. I mean, I, of course, there's this this factor of you sometimes feel people give less of a time to something than than they should, and people uh, should listen to something before judging it and so on. But I'm, I don't know if it has necessarily increased. So that's not simple. But um, what it did say is that. Um, I, I do feel that people uh, value, you know, uh, highly something they listen to more frequently. And I don't think, even if, if you think about music, your your own preferred music from the past, it doesn't have to be the music you listen to the most, you know. Uh, it's, 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 I think it's more about um, how it actually stays with you and affects you uh, once you really engage with it, rather than how often you did.
All right, well, let's go to your second album. And I guess if we're doing this temporarily, I know what's coming up. But yeah, if you'd like to tell me the name of the record and then also a little bit about why it's important too. Yes. So um, the second album I chose is by uh, two composers, so Anna Maria Avram and Janko Dumitrescu, and it's called Soleil Explosion. So um, why did I pick this album? So uh, it's probably not their most famous work of these 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 two, but it's the first one I uh, had, uh, first one I got. So. I listened to it quite repeatedly because once I encountered this this uh, album and their music, uh, and I actually saw them in, in concert, I, I I was completely mind blown. But there was something that fundamentally uh, connected with me and their approach to, especially their approach to sound. So um, the album has f- has uh, five pieces. So there is um, two by Avram and three by Dumitrescu. And so they have different uh, different setups. So there's a piece for orchestra, and there's computer pieces, um, and there's two pieces featuring viola, one with computer, the other one not. But in all of them, there's and of course there's two different composers. Uh, but in all of them, there's there's this kind of clear focus on sound itself. So the sound is very alive. The sound is uh, it's changing a lot. So they called it. Uh, spectral music but the, the Romanian spectral music so it was a little bit different from from the French French spectral music but mm. there's there's a hu- huge kind of emphasis on the kind of micro micro details of the sound uh, not only in the frequencies as the spectral term might might be but just in the evaluation of it so it really feels alive it really feels um, to, that each kind of gesture has its own little uh, universe. And I think that's something that struck with me very much then, because not, not at all in in, 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 in modern music, contemporary music, this is this is always the case, where uh, a lot of a lot of it has been um, maybe going in the opposite direction to avoid any such things. But that struck with me a lot, and I, I really enjoyed, for example, in the in the solo computer pieces by Dumitrescu on the CDs. He uses very simple techniques, which is just time-stretching a sound, which uh, almost now would sound like a cliché to make this whole two pieces only with this one method of time-stretching a sound. But it's done in it's done in a way that he gives such a live and such a detail to the sound, and it's really amazing. So um, I think it's it's kind of an extraordinary uh, CD, as, as are many of them. There are many of these that are kind of similar. This is just the first one that... that I got encountered with, and I think it still sits with me a lot. I was actually living at the pub in Paris at the time I met this, and, and they were, I was, I was studying there in what was called CC Mix, and they were frequent visitors there, so they were playing a lot in Paris, and, and they brought their whole, the whole group from Romania in a, in a little van, and they came to play in Paris, <laughs> and there was always great energy around them, and. They were so uh, were sort of enthusiastic about the sound itself, which was hard not to be inspired by at, at that time. And perhaps beyond that CD, it was also the first time I saw a concert with them in in Paris. Was something really uh, struck with with me with this music uh, and this kind of focus on on on, on this attitude to sound. Yeah. And do you have strong memories of that first concert you saw of theirs? What kind of what pieces were they presenting at that concert? And what kind of instruments were they were they using there? 
But well, they, they brought this the ensemble, so if I remember correctly, it was pieces for ensemble, so they had their own Hyperion ensemble, it was called, which is musicians from Main, Romania, uh-huh. which they, they had the luxury, of course, to work with constantly, which is not, it's not always the case in, in, when you have works uh, performed for ensemble and rehearsal time is limited and so on. So these are musicians they knew very, very well. So um, Aramandu Mitrescu were conducting themselves as they do in uh, as they did ever since, uh, or always do, and that was uh, also quite spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen these. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And um, and of course, always the the focus also on the computer in, in in a very special way. I think the way they were using they use computer sound, so it was very natural and, and very much as an extension of just the sound, not something different to it. And, and I think. Also, on this this CD is very it's very natural how a piece can be a solo piece for computer or, or a piece for computer and viola and it feels like completely just something that's part of the of the same idea. Yeah, it's interesting you draw attention to that because I guess that's also something which perhaps isn't always a given when those elements are combined. There can you know often be the sense that you have the computer and then the viola and then a, a, a very sort of overt um, attempt to bring those into alignment. I'm interested actually to know, uh, so you would have been, what, 23 at the time that this album came out. Were you making music at this point? Yes, yeah, so I encountered this album a little bit later. So ah, right, okay. I'm about 25. Yes, I was making music. I was thinking about it yesterday, Perhaps on my first album, I, I could actually sense some of their influences, um, maybe also relating to what, what we were discussing uh, previously about energy and so on, and and, and this focus on, on the sound itself. But I was making music, yeah, and um, uh, and this resonated with me in, 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 in very important ways of, of my own music as well. Um, I guess think of sound itself like having its own kind of universe in life is, is is something that's important to me and something that's also very different from C feel that we discussed in the beginning where uh, in the end the music is much more minimal it's much more generic it's much more um, it's much more detached actually than here where mm. every sound has uh, you are exposed to every sound in its incredible details and that's really what the music is about so we we zoom into it in sort of different ways which is something i think related to to the city or not i'm also interested to do in in my own uh, practice i mean that's something that i noticed this morning so obviously i've been listening to your record but also as well i put on the um Dumitrescu record that was released in like 2013 I think it came out on Ideologic Organ and uh, it was first thing in the morning I was in my kitchen and I just felt so awake immediately and I think it's because it's engaging and firing up a listening faculty which absolutely needs to be alert in order to ingest the material it's hearing and that's something that I'm definitely getting from from your record as well it's just the sense that there needs to be a real active participation within the listening uh, in order to actually in- engage with everything that you're that you're hearing um and i'm curious actually because it's certainly something that you know i hear within the record that you've picked here but also your own 
is the uh, sense of, and I mean this in the best way, the sense of labour that's required on behalf of the listener, is that something that you're conscious of as you're putting this record together, say the, the role that the listener has to play within your, your soundscapes? No, um, not for me. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, to be honest, I don't really think about the listener uh, as much as that sounds like I'm, I'm avoiding something, but uh, I try to focus on the sound itself and that it merits some sort of a life and development and and, 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 and how to put it into or stop it or cut it or, or violate it or make it become predictable or less predictable and I focus on this and we've been talking a lot about listening of course we're talking about music I, I, I presented but it's hard to, also when you were talking about this this how I feel about how people listen today it's difficult to say this I think it's listening is something very personal so it's it's hard to compose I think with that in mind, uh, especially for other people or try to assume something on the, a part of listener, I find that not necessarily the, the most creative way to approach music from, from my point of view. I mean, let's move to your final record now. If you could tell me the name of it and a little bit about why it's important to you as well. Yes, so um, the third one is uh, Helena Goff, Microclimata from 2010. So the second one, actually, I noticed now, speaking to you, the second one from the UK. This is also uh, maybe 10 years after I discovered Dumitrescu, I discovered this one. Um, I think on the surface, surface it's, it um, for some people, it sounds a little bit like um, extended uh, extended uh, English electroacoustic music, but there's just so much craft in this record. It's it's an incredible record. Um, few composers I've ever heard who can who can really deal with sort of the electroacoustic music medium in, in such such fine ways as she does on this album. She has done, she did other albums, but this is really the one I think that that is totally incredible. So the music basically has, uh, on this album, all the music basically has two very uh, strong uh, states, which is the sort of change, which is very highly articulated uh, gestures that sound only at first glance, I think, kind of impressive, like some of the some of the traps. I think sometimes electroacoustic music falls in to make be impressive. But I think it's it's once you get up above that, you can see the structural importance these have and and how actually she ties it in with the whole flow of the music, which is incredibly well done. So that's the one element, which is the sort of the change, the gesture that, like for example, the start of the album, and and the other one is just is, is the static moments that occur between. So all of the pieces, I think, more or less only deal with these two states and she goes between them and each gesture brings you back to a sort of static state. And the static states are full of details, of, of full of pulsation, for example, but not much of progression is going on. But each, each time she does it, she, she, she kind of 
switches the angle. So sometimes I imagine a camera that's just looking at an object and, and with each kind of uh, gesture you you get a new uh, view on on what she is observing so she, she she shifts you into a new view and this is just so original the way this is done and the way she treats the sound and she, the way she kind of builds up the narrative only from this that I was very touched by it on immediate listen I knew the, the, her previous album before so I always wanted to check it out. I didn't check it immediately when it came out, but just a little bit after. And frankly, I, I had never heard anything like it. So I think that's that's how I would start by describing this one. And this is the first time I heard this album. And in fact, I'd never heard Helena's music before, but I couldn't really believe that once I heard this album because it felt like something that should absolutely be on my radar. The, the, the sense of scrutiny and examination, I think, that she's applying to sound is so infectious um, as, as I'm listening to it and sort of stimulates a very much the same state of mind within myself, I think, as I can only imagine that she's employing uh, when she created this record. Have you seen her perform live at all? No, I have not. I think, I think she actually... St- I think she stopped making music... <laughs> Oh, really? But, uh, yes. Oh, uh, so she was uh, related to this uh, Birmingham Birmingham uh, school. And I know they were trying to make her come and do a concert last year or so, but I think she, she moved moved to Portugal or something and is, is just doing something different. Wow. Let's hope she will, will uh, do something again. But no, I never saw her live. I met her once, but I never saw her play live. Um, there are some recordings of it. But I think, to me, this is this is still uh, this is tape music in in a sense that what I appreciate so much about it is, is how it's all so crafted, not only crafted but the kind of internal logic. So I find it also with many people, um, especially if you are trying to build up your own vocabulary, your own causality, let's say, of things, and you try to make music that does not rely on the the classic carriers of, of harmony or rhythm or so on so how can you how can you make music that develops based on its own criteria and i think she this this album is a, is an example of of something that's very unique to herself to her style and and uh, you cannot really think about anybody who did it in in such a way and it's, it's so continuously applied that you you just get hooked on the first sound and then it kind of leads you through the whole album and, and what seems to be the logic that's I think uh, internal to the sound itself, but not something that she kind of imposes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because it feels, uh, to me, I think what's so incredible about about this record is, I mean, as you say, it's certainly a sound that feels unique to her, but almost as though you're listening to perhaps a language that you don't, you're not fluent in or you don't speak. There's a sense of continuity to what you're hearing, even though if you can't comprehend it, there's still a sense that one thing is following the other in a way that feels very deliberate and very connected. I think the way to, the the, the ability to craft that whilst using building blocks which ultimately feel detached from me and different from me, and yet still feel like I can hear something unfolding and still feel something meaningful within it, I think it's, that's such a fundamental thing uh and something i can only imagine is is 
very difficult to to sculpt in this way it certainly seems like an album that has you know a lot of detail within it yeah and, and a remarkable also sense of maturity of how it deals with the, the sound it doesn't feel like <coughs> the work of a, of a young composer so to speak it feels like she must have really built up to get to this stage which which um i'm happy with also about the st- static passages i find a lot because uh, we know from electroacoustic pe- music people using gestures that are kind of strong like this and a lead you somewhere but I, I i tend to um well i would i would i would advise people if they would like to check out this music to focus also on the static passages that are happening in between and how they kind of absorb you even though they're very quiet and uh, there are for example the pulsations there's a lot of rhythm you can find just by just spending a little bit more time with it than the, just staying on the surface. Right. So there's something very strong also with background foreground here. Also as well, it seems, I, I didn't realise actually in the first couple of times I listened to it, but she's using a, a basis of like field recording and also uh, I think improvisations for trumpet and bass. Yeah, so Peter Evans was the famous trumpet player is supposedly to be found somewhere in the in this sound world and I asked him, I remember I met him once and I asked him about this um, and he didn't recognize himself very much actually <laughs> after having gone <laughs> wow. yeah. gone through these processes of and, 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 and I think she also mentioned that there's a lot of recordings of sort of refrigerators and so pulsating devices but ultimately uh, it, it seems to me that whatever the sound source is uh, on this album it it is made probably with her processes coming after so personal that perhaps it, it's less important than <laughs> yes than, the, than what she does later yeah and what i like actually is the photograph that she has in accompaniment to the like press material that came out for the record and on the release page is just the grass sprouting out from snow i don't know if you've seen that but it feels like um almost you, you know I, I think it, the caption is something like this is something i observed during a particularly intense studio session and i love that that was the sort of a, a visual emblem that she chose to depict which was almost like a, a tiny break uh, you know a tiny sprout between these intense very introverted and and you know what i can only imagine are quite uh, isolated sessions and the, the the one kind of piece of the the physical world that makes it on there is that sort of flash of the outside that she got between being holed up for so long you know But it made me think, actually, it made me wonder what your kind of sessions look like. I mean, when you think back to working on your record, uh, what does that look like to you? I mean, is there a particular location that you use uh, for creating your music? Is it happening at a particular time of day? You know, are there any particular rituals that you uh, employ around the composition of your music? To be honest, it's, it's, it's actually 
perhaps the opposite in the sense that it's more like when it when it starts going or when I when I start working on it, whatever it is, it it takes it takes over, you know. Wow. So be it I have a studio at home and I also where where I where I teach, I have studios there, so um, it's not very much related to the space or the time of day or the time of year or so on. I think it's it's more of getting contact with materials and maybe as I was saying before when we were talking about listening that I think they have lar- largest time span. So I think my music is something that just 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 keeps on, and I think there's a very there's an obvious kind of um, development from the first record and to the new ones, and uh, I think it's all part of the same thing. It's part of the kind of inner life of this thing I'm trying to create, whatever that is, which perhaps perhaps not easy to put in words, but best experienced by by listening to the music itself. Yeah. In fact, speaking of listening to it, do you have, uh, listening to these records that you picked uh, made me consider how perhaps you're experiencing them. I mean, do you have a, a particular setup or a, a, a place or a situation you use to, to listen intently, like, a, you know, a stereo system somewhere or, you know, particularly beloved pair of headphones or, you know, how, how do you listen to an album if you really want to dive into it? Good question. I don't. I don't think I have it like this. I. I do prefer speakers. Mm. So, um, and actually, I do prefer kind of a, a larger space if possible. In the sense, I. I, I think music is the, for me is the most interesting in in space, not in headphones. Right. You know. Um, some people have a connection with headphones or something more intimate. I. I think. I. I find much stronger. Um, connections with music when I hear it resonate in a space so that could be uh, some of the studios or my living room that's that's not the most important but I do tend to enjoy more larger spaces I think nice. um, drier spaces but larger spaces great well I have to say I've spent most of my time listening to to your music on on headphones i mean i was going to ask actually but considering that uh you know i recall you mentioning about uh the fact that you don't pay too much consideration to the listener experience as you're creating it rather you know you focus on the craft but um have you had a chance to listen to lure in many different spaces and in you know many different contexts not perhaps as much as I would like. Right. <laughs> now that you're asking, yeah, yeah. no, but um, I think that's that's also part of it. When you when you make a record, is that you you would like it to be in uh, occurring in all kinds of different contexts and and, and and spaces. But but perhaps as the creator, you also need to then leave it to do that uh, on your own. So. Um, you know, I have I have a few places I I, I worked on it. And have listened to it since, but but then I guess I sort of uh, leave it, and maybe sometimes you come back to it a little later. You know what happened with Lure is uh, so it's a vinyl release, and it took it has uh, algorithmically generated covers, uh, and which are great. Um, yeah, beautiful. Uh, great work yes and uh, all of this took quite a lot of time and effort <laughs> to do. So uh, there was a sort of a longer uh, gap than usual between the moment I finished the music and the moment the record was released. So f- 
to me it feels a little bit I'm a little bit far away from it now even though <laughs> it's just been released <laughs> it's funny to say so um, but but I was listening to it also this week again and uh, you you kind of it kind of it's funny how it's already something different <laughs> well I look forward to it continuing to be something different so that's certainly the experience from this side as well Bjarni thank you so much for speaking to me today uh, it's been great to you know dig into both your record and also the three records that you've picked thank you so much uh, for, for having me in this moment and if people want to find out more about yourself and your music where's the best place for them to be headed online um, yeah just on my web- website bjarni-gunnarsson.net would be a good place to start great Well, thank you once again, and to everyone listening, I'll see you next time.